Welcome to Day 85 of Saved by the Word, Season 2, The Drama of Scripture. Uh, we're skipping from Exodus 33, and that is a bad edit. Uh, as I worked earlier in the year to get 260 readings to take you through the Old and the New Testament, of all the chapters I should have included, I should have included Exodus 34, where God reveals his glory to Israel. And I had you hanging uh, on a thread waiting for the reading of Exodus 34. Then we skip right over it. So by all means, go back and capture 34. Uh, as we move from 34 you know, to 40, there's a, a lot of detailed descriptions on how to construct the tabernacle. And the tabernacle is a very important uh a very important symbol in the life of Israel. It symbol God's presence right in the middle of the camp. All the uh, different tents of the people were set up by tribes surrounding the tabernacle. And it presents, you know, it represents God's presence with them. But it also represents the distance that their sin had created between themselves and a holy God. There are courtyards, there are curtains that are set up. Uh, there are very careful procedures for coming into the presence of God. There's a far cry from Eden where Adam and Eve walked with God, were in his presence in the cool of the day. So in the fall, we lost easy access to God. The tabernacle represents God's desire to be with us. But how awkward that access is because we're an unholy people in the presence of a holy God. So we skip through the details of describing how you build the tabernacle to describing how you set up the tabernacle. And it's described in Exodus in almost as much detail as the building of the tabernacle itself. This is really important. When we get to the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer of Hebrews said it is an exact design uh, of what God has prefigured in heaven. So it does give us kind of an idea of what it means to come into the presence of God. So, by the way, I'm Paul Kemp here with David Keefe, Matt Kresge, and Katie Kresge. And uh, Matt, why don't you pray for us before we, uh, before we enter the tabernacle? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we, we do thank you uh, for the tabernacle and the greater tabernacle it points us to. Uh, Father, as we read and, and we see your glory um, descend in, in this chapter, Father, would we be reminded of um, your glory um, descending to us in Christ Jesus? Uh, would we behold him and behold you in this time? Uh, encourage our hearts. Um, give us wisdom as we read. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Then the Lord said to Moses, Set up the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, on the first day of the month. Place the ark of the covenant of law in it. Shield the ark with a curtain. Bring in the table and set out what belongs on it. Then bring in the lampstand and set up its lamps. Place the gold altar of incense in front of the ark of the covenant of law and put the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. Place the altar of burnt offering in front of the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting. Place the basin between the tent of the meeting and the altar and put water in it. Set up the courtyard around it and put the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. Take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and everything in it. Consecrate it and all its furnishings, and it will be holy. Then anoint the altar of burnt offering and all of its utensils. Consecrate the altar, and it will be most holy. Anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate them. Bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and wash them with water. Then dress Aaron in the sacred garments, anoint him and consecrate him so he may serve me as priest. Bring his sons and dress them in tunics, anoint them just as you anointed their father so they may serve me as priest. Their anointing will be to a priesthood that will continue throughout their generations. Moses did everything just as the Lord commanded him. So the tabernacle was set up on the first day of the first month in the second year. 
When Moses set up the tabernacle, he put the bases in place, erected the frames, inserted the crossbars, and set up the post. Then he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering over the tent, as the Lord commanded him. He took the tablets of the covenant of the law and placed them in the ark, attached the poles to the ark, and put the atonement cover over it. Then he brought the ark into the tabernacle, and he hung the shielding curtain and shielded the ark of the covenant of the law, as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the curtain, set up bread on it before the Lord, as the Lord commanded him. He placed the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord, as the Lord commanded him. Moses placed the gold altar in the tent of meeting in front of the curtain and burned fragrant incense on it, as the Lord commanded him. Then he put up the curtain at the entrance to the tabernacle. He set the altar of burnt offering near the entrance to the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, and offered on it burnt offerings and grain offerings as the Lord commanded him. He placed the basin between the tent of the meeting and the altar, and he put water in it for washing. And Moses and Aaron and his sons used it to wash their hands and feet. They washed whenever they entered the tent of meeting or approached the altar as the Lord commanded Moses. Then Moses set up the courtyard around the tabernacle and altar and put up the curtain at the entrance to the courtyard. And so Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. And so we come to an end of a chapter. And God has delivered uh, his people from uh, the grip of Pharaoh and from the grip of Egypt. He has brought them through the Red Sea. He has delivered them uh, with a mighty hand so that they were uh, simply asked to sit back and see the work of the Lord, and to celebrate the work of the Lord. Then he brings them to Mount Sinai, where he enters into a covenant with them. Obviously, no sooner have they entered into a covenant than they, they break the covenant mm-hmm. uh, with the golden calves. And already you see people whose tendency is, is away from God, uh, rather you know than toward God. And so you have finally the tabernacle set in the middle of the people as a constant reminder of who God is. And you have the visible presence of God in the, in the tabernacle and the glory of the Lord, which has been emphasized you know, in several different places you know, throughout the chapter. So as we look at uh, the end of the book of Exodus, uh, what are some of the things that stand out in the reading? Definitely the first thing that stands out to me upon reading it, especially reading it out loud, is just that continued refrain at the end of every, um, well, we see them as paragraphs, uh, but um, just he did all these things as the Lord commanded him over and over. We see that. So it's, of course, we know when something's repeated like that, we know that it's there to remind us of its importance. Um, There's an importance there. So um, it's important for us to see that Moses was doing all of these things um, just as as God had, had told him to. They're instructed on how to come into God's presence and the care that they need to take to come into you know, God's presence. And of course, that's a reminder, you know, of us to be, you know, come into God's presence with great, you know, great, you know, great care. Mm-hmm. Uh, we received a familiarity because we are sons and daughters through the finished work of Christ. Uh, but the familiarity should never uh, cause us to forget the grandeur and the majesty and the holiness of God and and what a privilege it is to enter. 
uh, mm-hmm. through a new and better sacrifice you know, into his presence. Mm-hmm. So it's very important, you know, for the people to uh, approach God exactly as God has asked them to approach him, to yeah. worship in the way uh, that he has asked them to worship, rather than uh, worshiping in their own way, uh, right. to hear him and to respond to him in their worship. Oops. Yeah. And, okay. Well, I was, even as we're kind of reading this, and, and Paul mentioned it in the, in the introduction, but we kind of see these curtains being erected throughout mm-hmm. the progress of the building of the tabernacle. And then yeah. even now as you're pointing mm-hmm. us, you know, to, to the better covenant we have in Christ, but we know that in Christ those have been torn down, split in two, and then even in Hebrews, right? Like we can approach him now, this throne of grace with confidence, mm-hmm. which is probably not what the people maybe had back then as we're reading this in, in Exodus 40, but how amazing that it was so good in the garden. It is a little awkward as we're reading it here with all the divisions and all the separations from the people and the holy God. But now, because of Christ, that has been taken away and right. we can mm-hmm. freely have access. <laughs> yeah, that's another rhythm you see to place the curtain. Uh, mm-hmm. And so you continually have the curtain placed. You have a curtain placed at the entrance. You have a curtain placed in the holy place. And then you have another curtain placed before the most holy place. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, we you know, where it's, you know, consecrated. And of course, that is, you know, one of the things that we see in the, in the gospels that uh, as Jesus breathes his last, uh, the final curtain, the curtain to the holy place mm-hmm. is ripped, you know, from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians chapter 2 when he talks about the dividing walls in a torn down courtyards that separated the people from uh, the priest and the people from each other uh, all come down in, in Christ. So what a privilege we have you know, to worship in that way. It's pretty remarkable too when you see this, this language of you know consecrate, make holy, and, and a holy God choosing to dwell amongst the unholy people. I mean, every time they would have looked at the tabernacle and been, been reminded of this consecrating, the setting apart, the holiness of this tent of meeting and tabernacle, that there a holy God is chosen to dwell among a, an unholy mm-hmm. people and the cloud of his glory, you know, descending upon the tabernacle. I mean, that would have been a vivid reminder to the people that God has rescued them out of Egypt, called them to be his holy people, you know, holy yeah. nation set apart. And yet they were in desperate need of him to, to make them holy. And, and it's also a beautiful, you know, picture of what holiness is. Uh, holiness are taking you know each one of these items which are you know made of the common stuff you know that the children of israel had brought out of the land of egypt uh, with them and, and they're set aside for the lord mm-hmm. and it's the fact that they're set aside for the worship of the lord that you know makes them holy and so when we come to the new testament uh, we are called holy ones which means we as a people have been set aside to belong to the Lord and to worship the Lord. And in, in all of our life, you know, as an overflow of that worship, it's not like we have worshiping moments and non-worshiping moments. We have a complete giving of ourselves to him to serve his purposes in the world. Whether we're in the sanctuary lifting our hands or whether, uh, you know, we're working on the job on Monday morning with a shovel in our hands, all of that is holy to the Lord. Mm. Yeah, and um, just the thought that I had earlier, um, we were talking about um, just how these people needed to 
worship the way that he had he had led them to that he, that he had told them to it really ma- made me think of um just that repeated phrase in the book of judges which is a huge contrast to this um where the people were doing what was right in their own eyes and they weren't experiencing the presence of the lord i mean they, they every once in a while he would provide a judge for them to lead them but it was a terrible cycle that they were in of doing what was right in their eyes. And so I'm just seeing a contrast of being careful to follow um, his in his ways um, and getting to experience the richness of his presence compared to doing what we want to do and not getting, we're missing completely the whole point. Um, And, you know, just personally on a personal level, I think that's a good reminder. Just, you know, am I doing all of this just according to what I want to do, according to what's comfortable to me? Am I coming to church um, wanting to be a consumer? (laughs) Am I wanting to be fed just the way I want to be fed? Or am I I coming and and worshiping in a way that is reverent, that is, um, I don't know, just preparing my heart before the Lord? Yeah. Well, it, it's a very. Uh, of course, you've introduced. You've also given us a huge leap forward in the drama of scripture. We've moved all the way from the time of the Exodus to the time of well, Judges. Well, you know, biblical theology. And, and so we know that you haven't read Judges yet, and are waiting eagerly to read it eagerly. with us. But there is that refrain: everyone did. There was no king in Israel, which is is sad because uh, God Himself was their king. And there was no one that they were recognizing as king in Israel, so everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And that is a good contrast with their being careful to do everything, you know, just as, as the Lord had commanded. And, and, of course, you pointed out an incredible irony there that sometimes we bring ourselves more to the center of our worship than we bring sure. God. Yeah. It's, it's more about me and what am I getting out of this. How and do I feel? Whether I have, you know, the goosebumps you know, in his presence. I One of my friends called it emotional narcissism. Mm-hmm. And I, I just want to feel good and I just want to have a good experience when really I'm coming to empty myself and give myself as a gift, uh, you know, to the Lord and, and encouragement to those around me. So right. I should be on the list of personal concerns and worship, you know, at least, you know, number three, <laughs> you know, behind the Lord himself, the community of God's people that I'm there to encourage. And and, and yes, there is no way we can ever give ourselves uh, to God without receiving so much from him. Mm-hmm. He is a, a rich and a generous God. You know, the tabernacle, it reminds us that we don't get to just worship God however we want to. You know, that they would have looked at this tabernacle, seen all the things put in place. I mean, we could read all those chapters and all the little detail and, and I mean, smallest of details and, and just be reminded that, you know, we don't get to just kind of pick and choose how we want to worship God. I mean, Israel couldn't just rush into this tabernacle. Uh, I mean, even so much so that once the glory descends, you don't even get to see Moses rush into that, <laughs> you know, and, and so God right. is a holy God. Mm-hmm. And, and he, he has instructed us on how to worship him. That's right. And Moses would be able to place the ark once, mm-hmm. and then he would not uh, go, ever go behind the curtain mm-hmm. again. And that's because he wasn't a priest, right? Yeah. So he wasn't consecrated as a priest. Which leads us, I mean, think consider the better access we have now because of Jesus, right. you know, that we read this and, Our great high and think, one, thank God we're not in the wilderness, but, you know, two, what a... <laughs> Sometimes it feels like yeah, what a, what a better, you know, tabernacle we have. Yeah, you know, what a better right. access we have through Jesus. And it only gets better from here. Mm-hmm. Father, thank you so much uh, for your presence with us. 
And of course, we love the way that John picks up on the themes of these when he said, and the word became flesh and made his tabernacle among us. Mm -hmm. uh, how you were in our midst and how John could later say that which we've seen, which we've heard, which we have touched, their own hands that we proclaim to you concerning the word of life. And uh, we thank you for the words that you have given us, the access that you have given us. And may we never take it for granted. It's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen.